nonprofit organization focused on reviving the working landscape and securing a future for farming in Maine. More information on protecting farmland and supporting farmers at mainefarmlandtrust.org. The time's 10 o'clock and you are tuned to WERU-FM 89.9 Blue Hill, 99.9 Bangor and streaming online at WERU.org. Common Ground Radio with your host CJ Walk from Mofka is up next. Good morning and welcome to Common Ground Radio, an hour-long discussion of local food and organic agriculture here in the state of Maine brought to you by the Maine Organic Farmers and Gardeners Association. My name is CJ Walk, and I am your host for today's show. Common Ground Radio is a monthly show airing on the first Friday of every month at 10 a.m. right here on WERU. So this month, uh, for today's show, we are talking about certified clean cannabis production here in the state of Maine. The Maine Organic Farmers and Gardeners Association has been trialing a program to certify that cannabis grown for medical purposes meets a quality standard similar to organic. The USDA National Organic Program does not allow the word organic to be used with cannabis. This one-year trial is called MOFCA Certified Clean Cannabis, or MC3. The MC3 mission is to verify that cannabis is grown, processed, and handled within guidelines paralleling those of the National Organic Program and the American Herbal Products Association, thereby assuring patient-safe quality medicine. So I do have uh, a few guests on the show with me here today, but before we get into that, I just wanted to mention a few uh, upcoming calendar events voted to food and farming that are happening uh, in, in the local in the local area, in the listening area. So happening this weekend, um, actually starting today and running through Sunday, is Mofka's Farmer to Farmer Conference. And this is occurring down at Point Lookout Resort and Conference Center uh, down in Northport. And this is Mofka's annual conference for farmers, which provides a great opportunity to talk about what works and what doesn't work while learning new ideas from university faculty, fellow farmers, and others. Any interest in this, confirma- in this conference, uh, more information can be found at the MOFCA website at mofka.org or by contacting the office at 568-4142. Uh, there's also on the 5th, Extending the Growing Season, which is Saturday at 4 p.m., and this is down at the West Bath Fire Station in West Bath. And this is a presentation by a master gardener, Alicia Romack, and the public is welcome. Uh, there will be a potluck supper to follow. And um, if you're bringing a potluck dish, the notes say, please bring some food to share with the group. So for more information, you can contact the Sagatahawk chapter of Mofka, and the phone number there is 442-9844. And then later in the month of November... Uh, A couple weekends away, running from the 17th to the 20th, is a series of low-impact forestry workshops, and these are held out at Mofka's Common Ground Education Center in Unity, and this is for people, both beginning and experienced, to learn and practice sustainable woodlot management and logging with animals and low-impact machinery. And more information there uh, can be found through the Mofka website, again, at mofka.org. 
and getting kind of towards the end of the month is on the 19th and 20th, November 19th and 20th is the main harvest festival. And this runs from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. It's being held at the Cross Insurance Center in Bangor. And this is for farmers, food processors, brewers, uh, fiber artisans, chefs, and a presenter's showcase where folks will be able to uh, demonstrate and provide samples and learn and enjoy all the wonderful things that make Maine, Maine. So uh, that can be found. More information on the Maine Harvest Festival can be found through their website, which is maineharvestfestival.com. So, um, <clears throat> so those are a few events that are coming up here in this month related to food and farming. And to get back to uh, the topic for today's show, again, I'll repeat that we are talking about certified clean cannabis production here in the state of Maine, and that over the past year, uh, the Maine Organic Farmers and Gardeners Association has been trialing a program uh, to certify that cannabis grown for medical purposes meets a quality standard similar to organic. So we have a few guests that will be on the show today. Um, a couple of them are just about to walk through the door, but on the phone for today, um, I'd like to introduce our guest, Erica Hayward, who is from Farmington and the founder of Love Grown Caregiver Services. So, Erica, I wanted to welcome you to the show today. Thanks for having me. Okay, great. Um, and just so you know, John and Dawson are a few minutes, running a few minutes behind, but should be here any moment. Um, so I think, Eric, just to start out, I would want to, I typically would want to have guests just tell, speak a little bit about themselves and the work that they do. So could you take a minute or two just to uh, kind of reintroduce yourself and talk about uh, the work that you do there in Farmington? Sure, happy to. Thank Thanks. you. Um, again, my name is Erica Hayward. Uh, I started Love Grown Caregiver Services um, and Education and Consultation back in 2013. We've been operating out of our downtown uh, Farmington office ever since. Before becoming a caregiver, I wore a few different hats professionally. Um, after college, I became a high school science teacher. Biology and chemistry kind of my specialties there. Um, after leaving teaching, I became, uh, quite conversely, a professional pastry chef. Um, and finally, the last hat I wore in my professions outside of the cannabis industry was as a contract negotiator in the world of pharmaceutical rebates. So I feel strongly that my background professionally and educationally has prepared me very well for my work with qualified patients in the Maine Medical Marijuana Program. Uh, currently, I serve as a member of the Legislative Committee for our Trade Association, Medical Marijuana Caregivers of Maine, or MMCM. Um, I've been active uh, within uh, our medical marijuana program since becoming a caregiver, feeling that it's important to protect what we've built. And um, I'm happy to be part of the MC3 trial program uh, for certification of clean cannabis. We've been growing organically, uh, using organic methods uh, pretty much from the start. I always have driven to educate myself on the best methods out there, and we felt that organic production was the way to go, the more sustainable choice, and uh, safer for 
our patients and our clients, we currently specialize in providing tinctures to pediatric clients. So I know that it's important for the parents of these special patients to know that their uh, the medicine their child's taking um, is clean. And I thank Mosca for their initiative in starting this program. That's about all I have to say about me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, we're happy to have you here uh, on today's show and still waiting for John and, uh, and Dawson to make it in. So I just wanted to ask you um, a few more, uh, kind of a couple more questions um, in terms while they get set up here with us. Um, that I was just curious about, um, maybe if you could just tell a few, uh, give you a few words about how you originally got involved uh, with the program, Erica, or how maybe you found out about it, I guess. Sure. I think I had heard um, some rumors of uh, some folks wanting to start just this type of effort. Um, and while at a legislative committee hearing, I believe, I was introduced to John Kruger, who um, was currently recruiting potential farmers who potentially wanted to participate in such a program, um, I think. And we hit it off immediately, um, and I started going to the meetings that were currently underway discussing how to bring about the program, um, how to get this certification program up and running. And from there, I participated in a number of meetings over years, quite frankly, many, many months, um, where we carefully examined the standards that were put forth by other certifying bodies across the country, um, examined the efforts being made in other states, made decisions together on how to proceed in terms of developing those standards, developing an application process, um, and what that would look like. So finally, this past year, certifications were issued after inspections were done beginning at the end of last year and finishing up this spring. And I'm proud to be alongside the other farmers in the group that, were, that was certified. Great. All right. Thank you, Erica. Well, we do have um, our other guests in the studio with us, all plugged in and, and ready to roll here. So I just want to take a... A moment again to introduce um, our other two guests that are in the studio, and to, in addition to Erica that is on the phone. And uh, one of our guests here is John Kruger, and John is from Northport and is a member of MOFCA's Board of Directors and also serves on the MOFCA Certification Services Management Committee. Thanks for being here, John. Thank you. And, uh, and also we have Dawson Julia, who is the founder of East Coast CBDs in Unity. Yeah, so thank thanks. you for being here today, Dawson. Thanks for having me. Okay. All right. Now that the gang's all here, um, <clears throat> well, I did uh, give a little introdu introduction to the topic here. We're talking about uh, certified clean cannabis here in Maine and uh, MOFCA's clean can uh, certified clean cannabis program, also referred to as MC3. So I wanted to start a little bit... Um, kind of about the history of the making of the program, which um, I know you guys have, everyone's been involved for a while here, but I thought maybe, John, if you could give a little bit of a background on the history of the program. Yes, it's, uh, Mofkin doesn't make decisions often 
in the most quick way. Uh, <laughs> and this program, uh, like many others, has taken quite a while yep. uh, to get started. I would, I'm looking back on some of my notes uh, coming here on our ride, and we, it was back in uh, 2014, I think, and actually Dawson and I had had conversations, uh, you know, particularly uh, uh, with regards to he was seeking an opportunity, you know, to find some sort of a certification program. And I went to the board, and we came up with uh, initially, an op, you know, the, the board supports us looking into the idea. Mm-hmm. And I remember several board members had never heard of a CBD. What in the heck is that? Mm-hmm. All right. And in fact, I remember uh, one board member didn't necessarily even understand at all the whole idea of, of what the caregivers uh, were about. Thought that was just a fancy name, you know, for a, for a dope dealer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we, we had a long, lot of, lot of uh, educating uh, to do. Yeah. Um, but it was in actually in April of 2015 and that the board uh, finally came up with a, a you know a, almost a, a very large majority said look let's let's go ahead and let's do this. Uh, but we had to come up with standards. Uh, we had to have a, a a program that you know if it started to go south you know we could quickly abort. Mm-hmm. Uh, and basically come up with a, you know, a, a, a small fee mechanism uh, to keep the thing started. So we basically probably spent about a year and a half uh, on developing the standards. So we had people like Eric Seidman involved, you know, we had certification mm-hmm. people involved, inspectors involved. Mm-hmm. And I think perhaps what uh, held us back a little bit too was the sense that we knew that a lot of people across the country would be looking at us and what we were doing. And so we had this sort of feeling, well, geez, we have to really do it perfectly. Mm-hmm. And I think finally we realized that, you know, nothing's perfect in this world and <laughs> we need to get something going. Okay. All right. And then um, Dawson, I just wanted to ask you about, uh, were you involved kind of from the beginning more or less or pulled in once it seemed like the yeah. The board decisions were made? Uh, no, actually, I, I guess I kind of like lit the spark with Mofka. I, I, it's kind of a funny story. I, I called him, I want to say, around May, maybe June of 2014 mm-hmm. and started speaking to some of the administrative staff. And I originally thought I was just calling to get signed up. You know, where, what do I got to do? How do I mm-hmm. work the work? You know, and uh, and they told me there was there's no program for for organic cannabis in Maine and they explained to me this there's a conflict because of the federal government has ownership so to speak of the word organic mm-hmm. and they're not going to allow anything to be certified that's considered a schedule one drug so so that was what we were up against and and I mentioned to when I as in my conversations well why don't we just start a program that doesn't use the word organic but everybody knows Mofka is all about organic you know we can get the word out without having to and and so it just kind of led to one call after another, and eventually um, they hooked me up with John, and I think we first started corresponding, at least on email, in, in early August and of 2014. And uh-huh. we just started making things happen. John got that meeting with the Mofka board and, and got the vote through, which was awesome because that really started everything. And then 
from there, it was just a lot of long, grueling meetings and, you know, back and forth on the ideas. And, mm-hmm. and uh, but, you know, we, we made it happen. And it's it's uh, it's we, we've been getting a lot of positive feedback, a lot of uh, interested interest in the program. We, we had a nice um, set up at the Common Ground Fair where we got about 100 and almost 150 interested mm-hmm. in the program. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of positive in, uh um, feedback from the from the general public and whatnot at the fair, and it's okay. so far it's we're off to a good start, I think. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, that's good to know, um, <clears throat> Erica. I wanted to just check back in with you uh, and talk about kind of these early days along along the way, and um, just curious, kind of some uh, maybe thoughts from thoughts from your position in terms of the creation of the standards i'd like to just get a little bit in discussion of the standards so i'm just wondering what you might have to add kind of into that early process well i think uh, dawson hit the nail right on the head with the with the term grueling in in terms of the meetings that we had i think we were really really careful and analytical in our approach to what these standards needed to be and what that final standards document would look like um i think you know in the very first paragraph, the background of the standards themselves in the rationale, it really lays out um, our reasoning that these standards are based upon the criteria that were already developed by other certifying bodies like the National Organic Program, NOP, and the American Herbal Products Association, AHPA, um, in terms of these guidelines. So, from there, it was a matter of addressing each area of interest in organic production categorically and adding a piece to the standards addressing that, which really summarized the position of those other certifying bodies as well as input from the group. And uh, that's really how we developed that, that standards document. Okay. And then I think in terms of structure, John, I wanted to ask you, um, oh, Dawson had mentioned that in terms of the federal national organic program, that the word organic can't be used with this cannabis program. Um, but in terms of structuring that standard, was the NOP uh, document something that you guys looked at? Yes. Uh, you know, one of the frustrations right now for our organic efforts at MOFCA are there's so many of these new labels, you know, local, you know, natural, mm-hmm. and we didn't want to complicate matters with yet another, you know, like clean cannabis. Uh, Our thinking was that, uh, A, there's a lot that people don't understand we're finding about what it means to be organic. Mm -hmm. It's a lot more than no pesticides. As Dawson and Erica will let you know, there's there's a lot of record keeping, and and it's a verification program, too. So you, you just can't just say, oh, I didn't use any pesticides, therefore I'm quote, unquote, organic. But our, our thinking right along from the beginning was that, that we anticipate at some point, now who knows, okay, mm-hmm. in Maine, that, you know, there will be organic at some point allowed. Uh, but we wanted to make sure that we weren't diluting the idea of organic mm-hmm. with yet another term. So you know, we're really following the NOP requirements as much as you can. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are some issues like clones, for instance, which, you know, like, wow, there's not too many opportunities to parallel something like that in uh, a conventional organic agriculture. I mean, there were a, there were a lot of new things mm-hmm. uh, that came into this program, you know. Okay. Uh, so, but yeah, it was, 
uh, as our, our hope right from the very beginning, that this would in no way dilute uh, the meaning of organic mm-hmm. by coming up with a new term. Okay. So the whole essence of the program was to, to maintain <clears throat> that thought there. Yes. That, that idea. Um, so within creating these standards, I mean, you mentioned maybe there's some propagation issues that weren't addressed by the NOP rule. Um, are there some, some of the other details that you'd be willing to share just out of curiosity for listeners, um, something that made it a little more unique or having to create a little more of a challenge for you guys to put these standards together. Well, I, I'll just mention a few, and let the growers here have more say, but from my perspective, we were finding it very interesting, the number of people that were selling products that were quote-unquote organic, that could be used as part of the, the nutrient uh, subsystem for mm-hmm. growing plants, only to find after our research, uh-uh, <laughs> They should not have been calling this organic to begin with. Mm-hmm. So for for some of our growers, it was like, wow, this is I've been buying it. It says organic, blah blah blah, mm-hmm. and yet it wasn't. So it meant starting over for some people in terms of what they were using uh, for nutrients mm-hmm. and, and soil base. Okay. I want to yeah. go ahead. Yeah, and I touch up on that and say, you know, he mentioned the clones were kind of a new thing, and and another thing was how do we certify the seeds? Because currently, nobody is aware of any place where you can get organic cannabis seeds. And uh-huh. so we had to kind of reinvent the wheel on that one. And, and we went to, with basically, I think it was a two-year, two generations of, of a seed growth. That third generation is considered to be a clean seed. Okay. So, so that's, that's kind of where we went with it. And, you know, and that's, that's how we're going to keep it going in the future. Okay. All right. Um, um, well, I just want to take a minute, a minute to step back and remind listeners that you are tuned into WERU, and this is Common Ground Radio. And today we are talking about uh, MOFCA's trial program of certified clean cannabis, also referred to as MC3. And uh, for guests on the show today, I have John Kruger from Northport and Dawson Julia from Unity, as well as on the phone is Erica Hayward from Farmington. Um, so... I just had a couple, I want to get a couple more questions on kind of those shifts that we've been talking about in production and not get into actual details of cultivation of the crop, but I'm just curious about, um, and I think Erica, I would address this question to you if you had something to add in terms of as the standards were being created, did it help, did it seem to open the eyes of some growers that maybe they should be making some shifts in their cultural practices in terms of uh, the cannabis crop production? Well, I think that we all identified certain shifts that we would have to make, but the majority of those shifts were in record-keeping, and that was really a unique kind of problem or issue when developing the standards, too. You know, there's not a lot out there. You can parallel record-keeping of cannabis production in some ways with other crops, but in other ways it really poses a challenge. So. As Dawson was saying, you know, tracking the source of your seeds and how many generations, um, you know, you've used that particular varietal and will it now qualify under organic production? And how do we track all of that? You know, identifying each of our tracking mechanisms and methods, it's, it was a complex issue and um, it's laid out clearly now in the standards um, and people can develop their own systems individually, I think, from here on out as farmers. 
in terms of their record keeping, but that was definitely a unique problem and, and a shift that had to be made on all of our parts, I think. Okay, and I, and I imagine is there uh, maybe a certain level of confidentiality that would be involved in terms of the, rep, the record keeping? I know within typical MOFCA certification, uh, you know, that's, there's some decent confidentiality there, but I'm just curious. Oh, absolutely. You know, that's a, that's a tenement to, you know, organic farming is a confidentiality. But uh, transparency has also been, yes. you know, important to us. And I know coming with a, a laboratory science background, we hadn't totally resolved this, but I know many of the board members, and myself included, uh, like the idea of, of a cannabis profile associated with the product. You know, as we like to see is organic, the highest quality that, you know, can be procured. And we hear from many people the idea of, well, what is it when I'm buying it? You know, what, is, what does it consist of? And, you know, Dawson here particularly, you know, with the CBDs, uh, which you have very little euphoria, for instance, but, you know, are so well known for other health benefits. How, how can you let the customer know that that's the case without testing? Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then we're, we are not addressing uh, a process right now. So edibles would be coming along at some future time. But I, I hear that a lot of concern about, you know, what is the constituency in this brownie? Uh, you mm-hmm. know, what am I eating? You know, what, what potency is it? So there, there are still areas that, that need to be discovered. But our group has been at the legislative sessions. Dawson and Erica are right there. You know, talking to legislators, and we do now have uh, uh, an opportunity in Maine to come up with a uh, a process for laboratory testing. Uh, it was uh, long. Dawson could talk about that better than me, but that was, that was one of our successes uh, during the last legislative session. Mm-hmm. Uh, that we can actually have a laboratory in Maine now uh, that would be considered accredited and certified uh, that can do this sort of testing. So is that something that would be able to test for pesticide residues or yeah, uh, you can or test quality of product, I guess. Yeah, you can test for molds, um, bacterial, um, just mm-hmm. about anything you want. Heavy metals. Um, so they'll they'll give you a full analysis, and and so that's that's basically what we're testing for pesticides, mm-hmm. um, mainly, and any kind of toxins or anything like that. Yep. Okay. Um, but the cannabinoids is definitely that's 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 extremely important to know because obviously you want to know what's working for you and what's not and and why is it you know what mm-hmm. understand so um, yeah it's it's a big big future coming to Maine with this lab bill it's okay. going to be nice you know, right. I just want to yeah. say too I mean yep. I, I've been so impressed you know with the Maine caregivers and and the sort of dedication they have to their patients but. If you talk to Dawson more, he'll tell you he actually likes to test for terpenes, all right, and, and you know he really he really gets into the you know the cannabinoids are so complex, uh, you know there's eighty some cannabinoids that are typically uh, tested for. Now you add terpenes, and we're, we're dealing with people here that are that are providing you know, cannabis to patients that know so much mm-hmm. about the product and. I know it's, I don't think we were able to properly represent that even, you know, in our efforts at this point. But there's really so much to this. It's an art mm-hmm. as much as it is a science. Okay. 
Well, let's talk. I'd like to touch on a little bit of just kind of um, the the medical side of things as well. Um, and so, Dawson, I just wanted to ask you. You mentioned CBDs a couple times, and I thought just maybe a little bit of explanation um, on that side of things for listeners. Yes. Okay. So CBD is a, is a cannabinoid that's in the plant. Um, it's somewhat of a rare cannabinoid, and, and a cannabinoid is basically you, most people associate it with THC, which is the that's the psychoactive cannabinoid that would typically be the thing that would get you stoned. Um, so this is a, a non-psychoactive cannabinoid, CBD. It's it's abbreviated CBD. It stands for cannabidiol, and and it has. I, I would say to date, as far as the science shows, it's probably the most medicinal cannabinoid in the plant. And, and it's, ama- it's, a, it's the, the really interesting thing that strikes me is that it does almost the exact opposite of what THC does. As far as it, to your head, mm-hmm. it actually promotes clear thinking. It uh, gives you a sense of well-being. Um, it's a great way to relieve stress and anxiety and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it doesn't distort your mind. It actually opens it up, it seems. So... Um, so it, it's got that going for it, but it's also an incredible anti-inflammatory, a painkiller, a muscle relaxant, uh, anti-spastic type stuff. Um, and it can do things to help you with your blood pressure. It can, it can help uh, if you're uh, borderline type 2 diabetes or type 2 diabetes. You can, you can actually bring your blood sugar control down to a manageable level with CBDs with, in some cases with people. And and so and there's a lot of other promising stuff. A lot of people um, with cancer and uh, epilepsy um, are getting a lot of benefits from CBD. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people don't really know about it. You know, there's still a great majority of people that don't even understand that there's m- marijuana where you can roll up a joint, smoke it all day long, and you're just not going to get stoned. But it's going to give you good ben- good benefits on for your uh, illnesses or whatever. Um, so, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's nice to be able to, um, change minds sometimes when you, when you can actually educate people and, 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 and open some, you know, open some new doors. And, and so this is, Mm -hmm. this is a great thing about cannabis. I, I think one of the best cannabinoids out there. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then Erica, I wanted to, um, come back around to you as well in terms of the medical sides of things, because I believe you mentioned that you had been specializing or focusing on tinctures for pediatrics, and I thought maybe if you could just speak to that for a moment. That's right. I just want to echo everything Dawson said just now about CBD as a very therapeutic cannabinoid and also non-psychotropic. It really just doesn't connect lock and key with the same types of receptors in our body that THC connects with to get us high. So in addition to having non-psychotropic effects like clarity of mind and um, energetic effects, anti-anxiety, it also is um, very effective treatment for some patients um, who have epilepsy. So uh, that's why I think John also was uh, keen on examining the issue of testing as it represents the cannabinoid content and ratio of infused products and of flowers themselves. People want to know what they're get, getting, especially, you know, patients with very compromised health, such as uh, pediatric patients with seizures. But um, knowing exactly what ratio of cannabinoids exists in a flower or in a medicine that you purchase or 
um, have made for you by your caregiver uh, is so important to so many people and can help them make informed choices about what types of cannabis therapy, and there are so many out there, that will work specifically for them and their particular qualifying conditions. What works for uh, one child with epilepsy will not work for another. Everyone is very, very different in terms of how these cannabinoids work in our own endocannabinoid system. So finding a caregiver with really deep knowledge on uh, manipulating cannabinoid ratios in infused products as well as concentrations um, can be important for some people, and representing that accurately in a test from a certified lab is something we want to do. Okay. Great. Um, let me just take one more minute again to remind listeners that this is Common Ground Radio, and we're talking today about MOFCA's trial period of certified clean cannabis, also known as MC3. And uh, my guests today are John Kruger from Northport, Dawson Julia from Unity, and Erica Hayward from Farmington. And uh, we will look to open up the phone lines in the next few minutes to take any uh, to take calls for any comments or questions from listeners. Uh, and that number, the toll-free number, is 1-866-625-9378 um, if you'd like to call in with any comments or questions. Um, so I just wanted to, uh, John, I think I would just ask you, and just to kind of finish up the, the testing and laboratory piece, I'm curious, is this, is this a private laboratory? Um, you know, it's always um, <clears throat> been an issue uh, in, in Maine you know, about, you know, how much uh, government involvement that we want to have. You mm-hmm. know, it's sort of a, always two sides to this. We don't, you know, if government does the testing, we don't want to eliminate the opportunity of the private sector to mm-hmm. be involved. Uh, and yet sometimes there is a need to have a, a backup or a, a certification program. What I like about the the new rules, as they've been uh, approved by the legislature, is that it looks for a national accreditation. It's called 17025, which is a very comprehensive set. It requires a third party to come in. Mm -hmm. It's not inexpensive. And it it looks at the whole laboratory, not just the the equipment, but the building, the the staff, the training. Uh, Particularly, it looks at quality control. And so since Maine has adopted the 17025, which is considered the highest standard, I feel very comfortable mm-hmm. uh, with the existence of a private lab participating in Maine. Uh, in fact, uh, one that, you know, they are using, one that I've used here in Maine myself as some really sophisticated equipment. Mm-hmm. Uh, but will there be a state involvement? I think there probably should be, personally, mm-hmm. uh, just to be on the safe side. Uh, or if you're going into court, if there's ever a case of that nature, mm-hmm. uh, that you can have someone that's uh, capable of being on the witness stand. Okay. All right. And I guess just also for listeners, I directed the laboratory questions to you. We didn't get into your maybe previous career or background um, in the introduction, but could you just give a quick, well, quick well, rundown of yeah, what your history may have been? Well, in a previous life, you know, I'm <laughs> retired now, but I had been the director for the state's health and environmental testing laboratory where we do a clinical and uh, environmental and forensic testing uh, of just about anything that you can imagine. Uh, so, yeah, yeah that's, okay. uh, that's been, been a role, in fact, my role on the MOFCA board as well as a science advisor. Mm-hmm. So you have, just want to make sure listeners are aware, you had some, <clears throat> some, uh, some background 
in that area. Um, so uh, again, I just want to give out the call-in number if any of the listeners had comments or questions, which is one 625 So I guess we've been talking, or at least I've been using the word trial here for this first year, so I'm curious, um, are, is the program still in a trial period? Uh, how long is that trial period? Yeah, so uh, we got our certification early August. Um, what and what the uh, what we're what we're doing is we're going to go a one year program on this trial program, and and then uh, we're going to go back to the MOFCA board and get their approval mm-hmm. to hopefully open it up to the public and and go to the you know basically anybody who wants to participate. Okay. And so right now what we're doing is we're basically gathering as much. Information about anybody who would like to uh, participate in the program. Um, we're just basically getting phone number, email, name, and we'll we'll keep you up to date with the emails and keep in touch as as we move forward. And um, and and during this year, what we're going to be working on as far as the the committee of of us Mofka originators or whatever we are, um, <laughs> we're gonna. We're going to be working on trying to get in processing standards set in place okay. and, you know, taking it to the next level. So, um, you know, whether you're selling baked goods or some sort of concentrated form of cannabis, um, we can certify those different types of products also as clean, uh, certified clean cannabis. Okay. Um, so you said you had inspection in August. Um, well, first, there... There's a handful of growers that are in the trial program. How many? There are five. There are five caregivers that are in the program. Yes. Okay. Yes. So you all, I'm just thinking in terms of the time frame, uh, are you looking at inspected in August and then looking at a year out from that August? Um, Or is August in the middle of the year, I I, guess? I think where we're at is basically hopefully next August we'll be able to be in a position where we're ready to say, okay, we've got approval from the board. We've we've Mm -hmm. met our one-year trial. We're ready to open the door. Um, I know there was talk about... um, A lot of people are obviously going to want to harvest their crop this next summer and if we certify them you know we this is what i'm getting at basically um i think from what i gathered from the last meeting we're going to try to set it up so that people can grow their crop and start through the beginning of the year we'll be able to go to them halfway through the year and say okay we're opening this program to the public let's inspect everything show us how you're doing everything mm-hmm. and we're going to try to get people on board at, before the crop is harvested is I think what I gathered from the last meeting but okay. so that's one thing we're looking at trying to do this year so that people can actually participate this year and also be certified with a product at the end of their harvest at the end of this year okay so I guess that it, <clears throat> excuse me in that piece uh, it seems like we already talked about there's a great deal of education that's been going on uh, in all directions so for those inter- those interested in the future are those standards available so they can say, hey, I'm going to start next season looking at these standards, and then as I get through, uh, depending on MOFCA decisions, I'll be prepared and ready to go? You know, the, the standards are, we say, we're transparent. They're available. In fact, we've had another state, at least one I know, has made inquiries okay. in regards to how we're doing this. Yep. 
Uh, and, you know, and Mafka is very interested in preserving its recognition, its brand, yes. as being the, the premier uh, 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 label, I guess, for organic grown food but and, and agricultural products. One of the concerns, too, that we haven't talked about, which is actually very important to me, okay. is that there be a good business case. Uh, of course, the elephant in the room right now is, you know, question one, which isn't a topic for today. Yeah. Uh, but uh, what will happen, you know, for our growers here, is it, is it something that the, the public, with, with, regardless of what happens with question one, is it of an economic value to our growers within this program to just sell it as certified? Mm-hmm. Uh, are people willing to pay extra? We hear, I hear a lot of concern, particularly from those that are you know, already in a uh, compromise to health that find it's really important. Dawson can talk, and so can Erica, about patients that they know that are very sensitive uh, to uh, contaminants mm-hmm. uh, that can be in the product. And as far as I know, this would be the only way that you could purchase something. But how, how much is that value worth? You know, is it worth $25 to an ounce? Is it worth $100 to an ounce? And this isn't a, a trivial program for people. Uh, I should mention that, you know, the record keeping is, is pretty substantial. Mm-hmm. And, and, and high-quality products are used in the uh, production of cannabis. There's really no shortcuts yeah. And, uh, so is it going to be profitable? So that's something that is going to take a little while mm-hmm. to determine. Okay. Uh, and so we're using like a today's radio as an opportunity for the public to even know that it's something you can procure, is something that's been certified by MOFCA mm-hmm. as, as being clean mm-hmm. in, in every which way you can think of it. <laughs> and it seems like um, <clears throat> just at least being uh, – I don't know if I say medical product is the right word, but in terms of dealing with people's health and actual kind of medical situations, that that, that cleanliness, I'm sure, is very important. Um, Dawson, would you want to speak about, I mean, just with some of the patients you have, I mean, not specifics, obviously, but in terms of that importance that, I mean, I guess my question would be, I guess the answer is yes, people are really concerned that it's clean, but yeah, I just yeah. wanted to hear it from one of, one of you folks as caregivers. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's real important. I mean, it's, I I can give a great example. Um, PTSD patients typically it's kind of bizarre, and I don't know exactly the science behind it. Well, I guess you can guess what the science is behind it. But um, I've heard from quite a few PTSD patients where if they get a, a contaminated cannabis, where they, let's say they get a joint that's rolled up with some marijuana that's been sprayed with pesticides. Uh, oftentimes with some of these patients it can actually trigger their PTSD to go worse and they can they'll be able to tell you right right off the bat this this has got pesticides in it I can tell mm-hmm. and and so it's very important to them to get the the cleanest cannabis they can get and and so you know that's um that's just that's just one particular situation and you can only imagine when you concentrate these levels when you take that medicine and you strip it off the plant and you're also going to concentrate everything else that's on that plant so yeah. now we're dealing with a much more you know larger amount of contaminants and now you got now you if you're feeding this to a cancer patient or something like that could be horrendous on their you know their general okay. health in the long run and and so so these are important things and and it's you know it's it's nice to have a business aspect to it i look at it more like 
it's, you know, to me, there's a business aspect to it. It's not about trying to figure out if I can make more money at this. It's more or less, it, to me, it's a customer retention thing. Mm-hmm. You know, who do, would want to turn away organic if I could offer it for the same price as mm-hmm. what somebody sells non-organic or, or certified, let's say. And so it's great for customer retention. It's also great for, you know, there's a, there's a demand out there for this stuff. If you have organic eggs versus factory eggs, you know, mm-hmm. it's a no-brainer. If you can provide it for the same price. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the great thing about organic farming is if you do it right, a lot of people think it costs so much more to do organic farming and stuff. If you know how to, if you do it right and you study up on it, you can you can bring your cost down significantly, especially with cannabis. I, I think our fertilizer cost has gone down about seventy five to eighty percent. Okay. Um, just buying bulk and buying actual raw composted fertilizer type products, um, bat guanos and sea kelp, and mm-hmm. and and you know you can make that stuff last a lot longer and get a lot more bang for your buck out of it than if you go to the store and buy some product that's sitting on a shelf for one gallon that's a hundred and something dollars that you know we'd blow through in a a month or less Mm -hmm. and so um you know it's all it's all it's all good stuff in the end if, if if you do it and and um and there's also definitely money to be made at it too and and so we're you know, I know that's an important part for the Mofka thing, so I don't want to discredit the money part. But um, but it's, it's definitely, I think it's going to be the future in, in cannabis, and as well as food itself, you know, mm-hmm. everything. I just want to reiterate what yes, you said, Dawson, what you touched upon in concentrating cannabis medicine into other forms and how important um, this certification becomes in that situation where... Um, if you have a sensitivity in a patient that is so extreme, I also have an example, you know, a pediatric patient who is allergic to pretty much uh, every kind of nut and egg you can imagine under the sun. So, um, you know, just the, just the strain choice and um, if there were to be a change in the terpene profile, she would know it. So... Um, in that regard, you know, concentrating um, pesticides in, in cannabis products is, is a danger. And I think that for parents of sick kids with sensitivities, for um, patients with sensitivities themselves that are so, um, you know, finely tuned that um, they can sense pesticide in a joint they smoke. Like Dawson said, I also have noticed a correlation there. And um, I think for those patients, that becomes extremely um, important. And I agree as well about, um, you know, the amenditures for growing organically and in terms of materials needed for production. Your cost can decrease. However, there is a trade-off in terms of the amount of time you spend in developing your soil, prepping that, um, as well as in additional plant care for IPM strategies and record keeping. So there are trade-offs when switching from regular production to a true uh, organic production um, method, but they're really worth it in the long run to our clients, and client retention is where it's at. um, People feel comfortable with you. They trust you. This stamp of MC3 really just puts it over the top for them. so that's that's why I feel it's important too. Okay, all right, and then I just think um, just for some maybe some quick clarification, uh, 
Erica, I wanted to ask you just in terms of being a caregiver um, within the state and current situation, what that what does that allow you to do, or how many patients does that allow you to interact with? Well, we consult with so many people all of the time. Um, I spend a great deal of time, um, not just in my garden, but on the phone and then sitting down in person, face to face with people who just have questions about cannabis therapy in general not my job to convince them that cannabis therapy is the right option, but if their doctor has recommended it, then it is my job to sit down with them and explain all of the different ways that they can take cannabis. It's not just about smoking a joint anymore, although that is a therapeutic regimen for some people. Um, you know, my job as a caregiver is to uh, educate and inform as many patients as I can, and um, as the state allows, dispense. Um, clean medicine in, um, you know, using good business practices and um, just good client relations. Uh, currently, we're allowed to have a maximum of uh, five patients that we can serve at any one time, um, and that is the rule. So um, we take our time with each one of our clients and ensure that they're well-educated in their choice and that they have a wide variety of options available to them in terms of what formulation they want to take, whether it's a topical, a salve that you would rub onto an affected area of your body and get relief without getting any higher psychotropic effect at all, or whether it's a tincture that you can take during the day that has equal amounts of CBD and THC in it so that you get the benefits of both without feeling high. Um, I think that's our major job as caregivers is really just interacting with our clients and helping them make informed choices. All right. All right. Thank you for that. And I'll take another minute to remind listeners that we are talking today here on Common Ground Radio about uh, the certified clean cannabis program that's in a trial period uh, right now. And our guests are John Kruger from Northport, who is one of the one of Mofka's board of directors uh, Dawson Julia from East Coast CBDs in Unity, and Erica Hayward is from Farmington and founder of uh, Love Grown Caregiver Services. So if any listeners would like to call in with comments or questions, uh, the toll-free number is one 625 9378 And then moving forward, John, do you have something to Well, yeah, add? I, I thought it in, in, in only <coughs> be fair to, to mention the other uh, three members. Oh, that's uh, a good point. <laughs> that yeah, we haven't Great mentioned idea. today. Um, so we've got uh, Orion Clark, uh, who's uh, from Sangerville. Uh, he's one of our uh, We've got uh, John Black, and this would be Rocky Hill Landscaping and Nursery in uh, Wilton. Okay. And, and, and lastly, we've got uh, Tyler Oman, who now lives in Belfast, Maine. Yeah. Uh, and all of these people have uh, contributed a lot to this program. Um, I'd like to make just one more thing, too. We've talked about chemical analyses, and we've talked about all that work, but one thing we haven't talked about is the quality. Uh, I think that from... Uh, in terms of quality? Go ahead, John. Uh, and that is that I, I think we find that... Uh, People that have uh, are growing this, particularly in the caregivers, they, a lot of attention is given to things that maybe you don't see in the mass-produced world. And I'm talking about the curing process. I'm talking about the, the, the flavor, uh, the taste. And, and, and these are the sorts of things that, you know, even the laboratory 
tests don't really show. But I think that's been part of it's like people that eat organic food mm-hmm. will often tell you, you know, it just tastes better. There's improvements and, in flavors. And I think you'll find the same thing with the cannabis. Okay. Well, we do have a caller on the line. We have Tyler from Belfast. Would you like to go ahead with any comments or questions, Tyler? Hi. Um, this is Tyler Roman, also a participate, participating member of MC3. Um, I'd like to thank John, Erica, and Dawson for representing the program so well. And I'd also like to reiterate how important this program is. Um, I work part-time at a, at a, at a grow store at, a, at the Urban Garden Center, and I interact with all kinds of caregivers and patients all the time. And a lot of people have a misunderstanding of, of what it means to produce organic medicine and to p- produce clean cannabis. Um, I, I'm able to work with these people and, you know, point them in the right direction, but it also pointed out to me that, that um, the need for this program, and it's uh, an important um, step in Maine, and especially to be involved with Maine Organic Farmers and Gardeners Association, I just wanted to make sure that I reiterated the importance of this program and um, <clears throat> on how it's helping to clarify what it means to get clean cannabis. Okay. Well, thanks for calling in, Tyler. I appreciate you taking a few moments to chime in on the discussion. Okay. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Um, so we're, we are getting into kind of the final 10 minutes or so here of the show. So I'm just curious in terms of um, moving forward, how how would someone be able to become a MC3 grower in the future if they were interested? And um how would they access that information, contact information, I guess, is what we're looking for. Well, currently, if one was interested in understanding the standards, it'd probably be best to contact, you know, Mofka. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, is it 568-4142 and, and, and get connected? I would probably talk to Katie Green, uh, okay. who is, uh, she actually, we're, we're kind of fortunate that that we have an individual who's responsible for the, what we call the transitions program, people that are maybe conventional or unsure that want to move into uh, organics. Uh, they would be a good person to contact to, to get, get hold of the standards. Okay. Well, we have another caller. We have Sid calling from MDI. Would you like to go ahead with your comment or question? Do we have Sid there from MDI on the phone with a, with a question? Maybe we have lost. Try again. Yes. yes. Hello. Yes. Hello. Sorry, we had okay. some trouble getting you through. Would you like to go ahead with your uh, comment yes. or question? Thank you. Um, this month is um, Lung Cancer Awareness Month, and I'm just curious about um, smoking cannabis and is that a possible contributor to lung cancer? And thank you very much. Oh, I'd like to take okay. that one. Yeah, let's, um, I would you, say we do have about three minutes. Okay, we'll make so it we'll quick. we get a quick response here. Um, Thanks, Dawson. Best thing to do, Google cannabis studies lung cancer. You're going to find all your answers in a long, detailed format. Um, there have been dozens and dozens of studies that have shown that actually what most would think and assume like similar to tobacco that obviously smoking cannabis is going to cause cancer, it actually shows, the science shows us that it re- it does not cause cancer. It actually prevents your um, percentages of getting cancer. So you have less of an opportunity of getting cannabis. I mean, getting cancer if you use cannabis regularly. Um, and that science and it, it was it started back in 1971. The Nixon administration um, 
Did he, um, uh, that's, that's, when, that's when they first started to discover this, and it's been consistent since. Okay. And that's a focus on the, on the lung cancer piece? It's, it's not even just lung cancer. It's actually just about every kind of cancer out there. And it's, it's, it seems to be a very powerful anti-cancerous medicine. So that's important. People understand that and okay. look into that stuff. Okay. Erica, did you want to add something in the final I couple did. Minutes? I thought that was a great calling question because that is one of um, you know, the misrepresented facts of inhalation of cannabis. And uh, Dawson is absolutely correct that the ameliorative effects, the, uh, the effects that seem to be anti-cancer and healing effects, outweigh the effects of inhaling a combusted material, where that is not the case for tobacco products, especially considering um, the contaminants that are usually present in those types of cigarettes. So a quick other thing yeah. is tinctures, yeah, two drops of a tincture under your tongue mm-hmm. has, I have found almost the same effect as smoking, and yet there's no inhalation. Okay. So there's various methods there. Um, so I think that we are getting into the final minute of the program or so. Uh, this has been Common Ground Radio. I want to thank our guests here today. Um, we have John Kruger from Northport who is a MOFCA board member, and Dawson Julia from East Coast CBDs, as well as Erica Hayward from Farmington, uh, founder of Love Grown Caregiver Services. We've been talking about certified clean cannabis, a trial program running through MOFCA over the past year. And I would like to thank all of my guests for being here on the show today. Thanks for joining me. Um, As well, I'd like to thank Amy for engineering today's show. And remember that Common Ground Radio is the first Friday of every month uh, here on WERU at 10 a.m. And stay tuned for On the Wing with Joel Raymond. Thank you. Support for WERU comes from 